What would you do if you woke up one day and realized you were actually a chicken? And then we take a look at the story of a mother and son who both had experiences with aliens. What happens when those that should be sworn to protect you are part of the conspiracy against you? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having an awesome day, whatever you're doing. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our longtime supporters of the show, Stuart Meatball. Stuart, everyone give a round of applause to that big old saucy, that big old saucy fellow over there, big old meatball rolling around. Stuart, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help get the word out about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We all got to get together. Everyone put a shoulder in it. We're going to squeeze this big old slimy meatball into the dead rabbit rowboat. It's just slopping in there. We're going to sail across the sea of cheese. Oh, God. I remember when I was in high school, every so often, it was like every day, there's someone who was wearing that Primus shirt sailing in a sea of cheese. And I remember just thinking, I don't know who Primus is. But I don't ever want to. I don't want to ever listen to him, because that shirt. It wasn't funny. Primus might be a good band. I don't know. Aren't they a jam band? Aren't they like Fish or Muck or Slump or something like that? They just sit and they play instruments. They have two songs on each album. Each album's three hours long. I think it's a jam band. But anyways, I could be wrong. I've never listened to a Primus song unless they. I think they did the theme song for like King of the Hill or something like that. Maybe I don't know. That's how limited. I just remember they have that. Anyways, there's a big old meatball sitting in the boat, shrugging his shoulders. uh, Stuart, you just kind of hang on. We are going to row you over across this sea of cheese to Belgium. So we're rowing this boat. We finally get to it. While I'm sure one of you spend the whole boat ride being like, no, dude, you got to listen to these four songs and then listen to this Primus album. And then I was like, ugh, why did I even bring it up? Anyways, I pulled the cotton balls out of my ear. I was like, oh, that was a really good song, bro. We hop out of the Dead Rabbit rowboat. We're rolling Stewart around. We're headed to Belgium. Now, this story, we have no date. We have no name. But not because it's fake. It's because it's medical records. And they don't usually give that stuff out. But we're in Belgium, and there's a married woman. She's 54. It's fairly recent. Probably, like, in 2015, 2012, around there. Maybe even a little bit later. There's a Belgium woman. Let's call her Barbara. Barbara is mourning the loss of a loved one. She's married. She's 54 years old. She has a lot of stuff going for her. She has a regular job. She works at a pharmacy, which is a good place to be if you're depressed. Because basically you're like, oh, I'm so depressed. If only there was something to help me. She's leaning on a giant bottle of Xanax. Don't do that, by the way. If you work at a pharmacy, you'll, you get drug tested all the time. She's in the throes of depression. Her whole family's in the throes of depression. There's a lot of people who really miss this loved one. One day, Barbara's brother shows up to her house. Hey, Barbara, you still depressed? I'm still depressed. I haven't yet some of that Xanax. And no one answers the door. So the brother opens the door. Hello? 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 Is anyone in here? Anyone in here? Bark, 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 bark. He hears and he goes, that's weird. First off, we don't have a chicken. I know my sister doesn't have a chicken. Secondly, that sounds like my sister imitating a chicken. Bark, 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 and he's walking into the house. It's all spooky. The lights are all flickering. Zzz, zzz, shadow men are f- 
flittering off the wall. He's like, oh, I gotta stop taking all those drugs my sister gives me. He walks into a room and he sees his sister there, light swinging. There's a light on a rope swinging to make it all dramatic. She's sitting there and she's like, bark, 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 bark. and she's walking around like a chicken does. And she's blowing her cheeks like a chicken does. Apparently, that was one of the things he said. She was blowing her cheeks. I don't, I don't even know how she was doing that. I've never seen it. Do chickens even have cheeks? Anyways, she was crowing and cawing and balking like a chicken. Now, there's very limited things you can do in this scenario. You can find a giant deep fryer and have a delicious chicken meal. Or, if you're not a <laughs> disgusting cannibal... Your only other option is to call the police. So the police show up with a big old chicken net. They're like, oh man, we thought it was actually a giant chicken in here. They show up, they take her to the hospital, and she's walking around the hospital going, bark, 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 bark. I've just realized how good I am doing chicken noises. I should do more chicken related stories, chicken conspiracies. The doctor's, the doctor's putting cotton in his ears. He's like, ah, oh, it's going to be a long night. The doctors are like, so what's going on with you, chicken lady? And she goes, she apparently could talk because she was able to communicate this with the doctor. She goes, well, it's because I'm a chicken. That's why. And they're like, well, you're obviously not a chicken. Look at your legs. And she looks down and she goes, but I feel my legs are chicken legs. I feel that they're different now. Then she has a seizure and falls down. She comes out of the seizure and she goes, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Why am I at the hospital? And the doctor's like, you don't remember anything? And she's like, no, I remember being at my house and now I'm here. What happened? And the brother's like, you thought you were a chicken. She's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure they videotaped this, right? Because listen, dude, siblings, I love all of my siblings, all of my step-siblings, all of them to death. But if one of them... Started acting like a chicken. I'm recording it. I'm like, oh man, I feel super bad. I hope this isn't permanent. <laughs> As my eyes go from side to side, I would totally put them in some sideshow. I'd have a one chicken sideshow. But no, I would record it and I'd feel really bad. I'd feel really bad they were a chicken in the moment. And then once they got better, I would just put it on Facebook every single day. Hey, bro, remember when you turned into a chicken? Um, they don't do that, apparently. <laughs> apparently, they have a bit more restraint in Belgium. But they do say used to be a chicken. Now, well, not that she was a chicken. (laughs) That's a totally different story. That she thought she was a chicken. And she is super embarrassed by this whole thing. She doesn't remember it. But when the police and the doctors and your brother, who's probably still laughing and pointing at you, said you were a chicken, you were like, oh, I don't remember it. But obviously I was a chicken or thought I was a chicken. And she's super embarrassed by the whole thing. What she suffered from is an incredibly rare mental disease, mental defect called clinical zoanthropy. You have lycanthropy where people believe that they're werewolves and that's pretty rare too, but this one's even more rare. It's specifically, you believe you're one of the lower animals. So you're not like a cool werewolf or a man bat. You're just a dumb old regular animal. There's only been 56 cases of this between 1850 and 2012. It's extremely rare and it's so rare they can't really do much research on it. It can last an hour or it can go on for decades. So unless you're lucky enough to be a scientist walking through a village, it usually happens in rural areas or less developed areas. It's very rare to stumble across these things. Here are some of the examples. So the obvious ones would be a dog and a cat. So people have thought they were dogs and cats. And again, not like furry, not like werewolf. They're a dumb dog. They're like a beagle or something like that. 
Then you have, so whatever, like, dude's a dog, dude's a cat. That's kind of cool, but you kind of expect that. Then These are the guys that are dope. Listen to this. There have been cases where people have thought they were lions. Ah, dude, could you imagine running into that guy? In, like, a dark alley, some naked dude on all fours. Actually, lions just kind of sat there, right? And then they'd have, you're like, oh, look at that, that naked guy just sitting on that rock. He must think he's a lion. And then you have his lionesses bunch of naked women crawling up behind you that's actually that's actually kind of sexy so that wouldn't be too bad you turn around you're like oh lions tigers be kind of spooky guy stalking you rhinoceros how did that guy figure out he wasn't a rhinoceros he's all running into stuff Ah! his brain his brain is slowly leaking out of his head it would be very quickly disproven that you were a rhinoceros when you ran headfirst into a car and you thought why didn't the car flip over a wild boar it's pretty dope not as cool as a rhino. And then horse. Again, that's kind of dumb, right? Because horses don't do anything. Horses are only useful if you're, like, on them. You just see a horse walking around your neighborhood. You're like, oh, that's lame. You can't even drink its milk. Speaking of that, people have thought they were cows. Uh, here's some one. So you could, if you saw a guy walking around, this is basically just me listing stuff off now, but I love this list. If you saw a guy walking around and you're like, hey, dude, what are you doing? He's like, "Row!" You're like, oh, you're a lion. Don't, don't encourage don't encourage their beliefs you shouldn't be like yes you're a good line oh you're scratching them behind the ears that's fine though i mean it's not it's a mental illness but like you can understand that oh the guy thinks he's a wild boar guy thinks he's a rhinoceros you're just putting up barricades for him to run through shark how does it how do you go how do you think you're a shark because obviously you're just sitting in your living room you're not in salt water you're not like 300 feet below surface level you're just sitting in your living room and you go oh my what what i'm a shark like your immediate then you should go oh no i'm I'm gonna die if i stop moving so you're like running around your apartment the whole time and then you go oh wait i need water so then you like are just swimming the whole time that'd be really hard and so what this does actually let me explain a little bit of the science behind this before i finish my list they've noticed when they've done studies with people with lycanthropy that because they, they believe it's related to this clinical uh, zoonotherapy, and they both they believe both of them have a tie to schizophrenia. But what happens is the part of the brain that misfires, or one of the parts, is the ability. It's a sensory perception. So let's say you're hallucinating though, and you look down, and you see you have a shark body. When you'd go to get up, you'd be moving on both legs. You wouldn't be like hopping around. The other thing, this is really creepy. The other thing this affects in the brain. We have a thing in our brain called proprioception. Proprioception. It's our brain telling us where our muscles connect to our body. So we know intrinsically our thighs are connected to our hip bone and our hip bones connect to our rib cage. They're not. Don't, don't use that during an anatomy test. I'm missing a bunch of steps. But our brain knows how our body is supposed to be. This one, your brain actually goes, oh no, bro. Like, you see two legs, and it will make your body and your brain merge those two legs into shark fins. Your brain, not only will you look down and see yourself as a shark, your brain will rewire itself to tell you that you don't have two legs. Even if you look down and saw two legs, your brain is telling you that's an, that's the fake illusion. You're actually a shark. You're hallucinating that you're human. Because it's not letting you put together those pieces. Terrifying disease. Let's go back to this list, though. So, shark. Crocodile. That's pretty dope, right? You're just sitting in this pool with your mouth wide open. Birds Birds are cleaning your teeth. You're like, oh, this isn't too bad. Frog. That's a little bit lamer. 
right? You just kind of hang out. Frogs are, again, are they're cute to look at, some of them and stuff like that. But, I mean, what do you do? You just look at them. You can't drink their milk, so they're pretty useless. Snake would be hilarious to watch a guy slither around. You're like, hey, Ernie, how you doing? Until Ernie starts to constrict you. He's not wrapping around your body. He's just using his hands to strangle you out. So those are all pretty good, right? But then we have these. Goose, rabbit, which would just be a basically just a horny dude hopping around. A gerbil. So you just like sit there. Again, some of these are useless. Like, could you imagine turning into a gerbil and then your roommate's turning into a rhino? You're like, oh man, why didn't I get that mutagen on me? Uh, you turn into a little gerbil. The funniest though, the funniest one that you could possibly turn into out of all of these. We've covered the basic animals, dogs, cats, sharks, lions, hyenas. There is at least one unfortunate soul out there who <laughs> thought he was a bumblebee. First off, he did he imagine himself as a six-foot-tall bumblebee? Like, did he was his brain so distorted? Was the wiring so distorted that he imagined himself as a little two-inch bee? Also, again, that'd be super easy to disprove. Like, you're sitting in a chair, you're not hovering, you have a lifespan of over two days, you can't sting people. You might eat a bunch of honey. That might that might be the trade-off. You're like, Mama. and then you're like, am I a bumblebee or am I Pooh Bear? I don't know. I just really like this honey. But I'm wondering, did he think, like, when they took this guy to the doctor, were, were they like, first off, how did they know? Was he just sitting there going, because this woman was balking. This woman was a chicken, right? Was he sitting there going, this loved one comes in and go, hey, what's going on? I thought someone, I thought someone was shaving their hair with a pair of clippers. He's just sitting there because obviously bees make that noise from flying around, but he's not flying around. He's just sitting there. And you're looking around like, what is going on with you, bro? He's like, don't touch me. I'm only an inch tall. Great. And also, how do you catch that guy? Because if you put a net over him, Bumblebee just flies out of the net. So that is the list of people who have this. It's super, super rare, but it does happen. If you do happen to find yourself going insane, Think of the best animal. <laughs> if you have a little bit of rational thought left, you could call up the hospital and say, guys, I think I'm going insane. And they come and they help you. Or you could just go, rhino, rhino. <laughs> the animorphs, rhino. Rawr! You turn into a rhino. You're knocking stuff over. I don't recommend doing that. As, fun, as much fun as I would have watching a human think he was a rhino, he's knocking stuff over. It would be hilarious. Don't, don't, if you find yourself going insane, call somebody. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, you don't have a phone, just go with it because, best case scenario, so for about an hour or two, you'll be a rhino, you'll be knocking stuff over. Uh, worst case scenario, you'll be doing the same thing, but it'll be over the course of several decades. I also, when I was researching this, I found an interesting tie into current conspiracies. And this is to show you that nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. Back when they came out with the smallpox vaccine, they used cowpox. They used cow, some cow disease called cowpox to help make the smallpox vaccine. And so they're like, hey, you know that disease that's killing everyone? We got a shot for it. And people were refusing to take the vaccine because they thought it would turn them into a cow. Because they knew it was derived from like cow germs. So people were like, no, if I get that shot, I'm going to turn into a cow. And doctors like, that's... If that was the case, I would be taking this shot. Because cow, I'd be cool to just run around people drinking my milk all the time. But they don't always have the most happy ending. They usually end up in a happy meal. But 
it's not going to turn you into a cow. And people said, no, 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 I won't take it because it's going to turn me into a cow. So there's these conspiracy theories that are around today are hundreds of years old. I think that's what's so fascinating. Stuart Meatball, let's roll you into the carpenter copter, get you into that cockpit. We are leaving behind this island of Dr. Moreau. We saw these people, they're like, ah, bunch of rhinos nudging everyone else. We're leaving them behind. We're headed out to Imnaha, Oregon. It's July 1st, 1976. Helicopter is flying over this remote part of Oregon. It's far. It's like on the eastern border of Idaho. We're going to meet a woman. We don't have her name. She's telling the story, but let's call her Margaret. We're going to meet this woman named Margaret. She's living there with her family. Now, apparently they own some sort of ranch land because they have a barn, they have a house, they have an old sawmill, so that might have just been off their property. But it's a nice time for a family outing, so Margaret, her husband, and her daughter go out to the sawmill to do the good old, <laughs> good old, this is a great transition, I didn't realize these were related, the good old family activity of castrating horses. So they would take him into the sawmill. <laughs> they use a giant butt saw. He's like, this is the most efficient way to do it. The horses are on a conveyor belt. Sorry for that visual image. He's out there. He's castrating horses. There's a guy who thinks he's a horse. He's like, oh, please wake up. Please wake up. Please wake up. And apparently the farmer's blind. He doesn't realize it's just the guy walking on all fours. Time to put your shoes on. No. Anyways, one of the ropes break, and they need several ropes to tie these horses down to castrate them. <laughs> I don't think there's been enough ropes you could have. So he goes, hey, Margaret, can you go back to the old farm to get some more ropes? Because these horses do not like having their balls chopped off. And Margaret's like, yeah, sure. And she brings her 13-year-old daughter with her. Why they had her at at the castration castle in the first place, I don't know. But Margaret and 13-year-old daughter are walking, and the... Farm is about a quarter mile away. They're walking to the farm, and then there's this area, like this grassy field. Margaret stops, and she sees this shiny oval object just sitting in the grass. Now, it's not like the size of a rock. It's sizable. It's basically, it's a UFO. And she stops dead in her tracks. She points to her daughter. What is that? Look at that. Daughter's looking, and she goes, eh, whatever. And just keeps on walking. Let's put a little pin in that, because I think that's interesting behavior. I think that'll play a part in what happens later. But the daughter keeps leaving, and the mother is standing there. And she starts to kind of get these feelings. She goes, in this area, like it wasn't the middle of nowhere, but there were a lot of power lines that were crisscrossing this area. She said, I felt like the object was actually absorbing electricity from these power lines. Then she gets a telepathic command in her head. You need to come here, she hears. She replies by thinking, I can't. They're waiting for me. In reference to her family, especially her husband, who's back at a sawmill with a bunch of rampaging stallions because they don't have enough ropes to tie them down. Next thing she knows, she's standing outside the sawmill. She doesn't have any idea how she got there. And her husband comes out and been like, dude, where have you been, man? Where's my rope? He has a giant big old horse shoe shaped lump on his head. He's like, where, where have you been? You've been gone forever. Where's my rope? And she's kind of dazed, and she goes, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know where I've been. I don't know where the rope's at. She's instantly flooded with these memories of being a child, walking down the hallway to her bedroom and seeing dark silhouettes peeking out from behind the corner. 
of waking up in bed completely paralyzed, of floating out the window. She then goes on to say that her life got pretty weird after this. And she says, quote, Some experiences, I wonder, were they real or dreams? She talks about one day walking through Hell's Canyon, Oregon. And she sees, laying on the ground there, a little, what she described as a half-human, half-alien hybrid. It's curled up in the fetal position. She said it had, like, gray skin, like an alien. But it looked oddly human at the same time. She says, I don't remember picking it up specifically. But I do remember being told telepathically that I needed to pick it up. She said that the aliens' children weren't thriving. Especially these hybrids. They weren't thriving. Because they lived in a such logical, cerebral world. That human love and affection and, and cuddling a baby just to have a baby close to you. is not something they do. It wouldn't be efficient. A lot of times humans just hold babies for no reason, because they want to hold a baby and the baby wants to be held. Aliens, that's alien to them. So they left this little hybrid on the trail, knowing she would find it, and asking her to pick it up. She says, quote, Oh, the stories could go on and on. Unquote. So she's had several encounters with these creatures. That was just one she decided to share. At one point, she has another child, a son. And when he was three years old, her son started to tell her about problems he was having. Mommy, mommy. Apparently <laughs> he's three inches tall. Three-year-old goes, Mom, Mom, there's something in my closet. And that's common. You know, kids are afraid of what's hidden in their room. But when he describes these things as little white men, her ears perk up. Sometimes he would wake up and find droplets of blood on his pillow. Wipe away blood from his nose and realize in the middle of the night, he got a nosebleed. He talks about dreams where his bedroom window opens up and he sees a gray alien crawling into his bedroom. These are, these are horrific visions even for an adult. But for a three-year-old kid, they're absolutely terrifying. There's no context for any of this stuff. Here's another quote from her. He was very afraid of them. As he grew up, he would dream of things before they happened. Car accidents, deaths. He and I talked in length. Agreed, aliens are very prominent in our thinking. Always vigilant. Always looking. And a little on edge. Unquote. When he turns 23, when this young man turns 23, he, he can't take it anymore. The mother realizes he's starting to get agitated. The pressure is getting to be too much. He's no longer seeing into the future, which again is terrifying in and of itself, but beginning to have strange visions. And some nights he wouldn't sleep. Some nights he would just stare up at the night sky looking for something. The boy began to complain to his mother that he couldn't do what the aliens wanted him to do. What, what, what are they telling you, son? He says that the aliens were telling him that he was going to save humanity. He was going to be the one to save the world from destruction. Truly a chosen one. At age 23, being given the responsibility to save billions of human lives. They wanted him to join them. The aliens wanted him by their side to go on this galactic mission to save Homo sapiens. He just wanted to be left alone. For 20 years, 
he's been having this interaction with these aliens. It's enough. I just want a normal life. He starts to beg his mother for help. Because he knows that she also is in contact with these aliens. All these years they've been having these conversations. They've been able to bond over this. Mom, I know that the aliens talk to you too. And you can talk to the aliens. Tell them to stop. Tell them to stop. I don't want to be the savior of humanity. they got to pick someone else. I can't do this, Mom. Please, tell them to stop. But she didn't. Or she wouldn't. Or she couldn't. We don't know. It's her side of the story, obviously. So the son begins to change tactics. He doesn't want to be the savior of humanity. So if, the, so if his mother's not going to help him stop this, his mother's part of the problem. He begins to refer to his mother as the leader of the aliens. That she has to be working for them if she won't help him work against them. Mom, we can both communicate with these things. And if you're not trying to get this to stop, you're part of the problem. One day, according to her, he traps her in her bedroom. Which, given the context of what I'm about to say, I'm assuming, I don't think he had like some home alone trap that she's hanging up by her feet from a rope. I think that he cornered her in the bedroom so she can't get out. It wasn't like he imprisoned her on purpose. He was following her and that's where she went to hide. Because what's happening is she's in her bedroom on the other side of the door. Her adult son is saying, I have to kill you, mom. I have to kill you. This has to end. You're the leader. This has to end. And she's hiding in her bedroom as her son is banging on the door. He begins accusing her that she has been taken over by the aliens. She is a collaborator. She is the queen of them. And she can control them. She's not doing it. They're making him suffer. They've made him suffer all of his life. And mom, I am coming through this door. He does. He breaks down the door. And he pulls out a 15-inch carving knife and stabs her. Now, she survives, obviously. She's telling this story. And even though the knife was... Th- that, that actually was the most unbelievable part of the story, in a sense. Because I was like, 15 inches, dude. That was straight skewer you. Assuming this story is true. We always have to say that. This is her story. She reported this to MUFON, the mutual UFO network. But he stabs her with a knife. L- listen to this next sentence. Listen to how she wrote this out. He just wanted to be left alone. His distrust became so intense that one day he trapped me in my bedroom, told me he had to kill me, that they had taken over my mind and body, called me the queen. He stabbed me in the chest by burying a 15-inch carving knife. He then committed suicide. I know you think I'm nuts, but I think the aliens harassed my son to the point of death. This is just some of what we've encountered. That is so bizarre that her son's act not of stabbing her there's more this we're gonna get get psychological here for a second she spends more words explaining how she got stabbed and he then committed suicide that is almost like an afterthought in her writing oh yeah yeah and then uh, he committed suicide and then (laughs) i'm just gonna keep on talking i don't need her to go in detail like he loaded the shells in the shotgun that he bought at walmart i don't need the gory details but the fact that she goes, she spends quite a lot of words, again, this psychological reading, but she spends a lot of words describing the knife that penetrates her own body and in fairly graphic detail, burying the 15-inch carving knife versus, oh, yeah, then, then, then he committed suicide. I, I think that that's a fascinating end to a bizarre psychological tale. 
Now, if this story is completely made up, this woman is nuts because this story makes her out to be a, a lunatic. Basically, her son from age three was complaining about... Actually, let's start off here with the sister because I said I was going to talk about that later. When she sees the UFO sitting in the field and the sister just keeps on going, there's two ways we can read that situation. And honestly, in most ways that I would read that situation... So we've talked about this before, of aliens sending other people away so they can have contact with the person that they want. We've covered that before. The lumberjack who found the injured alien, two of the lumberjacks just walked away, and the third lumberjack thought that was weird. He goes, it was almost like they were commanded to leave. We've seen incidences in the past where people have just excused themselves from the situation, and the implication is the aliens telepathically moved them away. In the context of this story, I think the daughter was like, not... This again, there's a mirage, there's like a little pond and the sunlight shining off of it. And my mom, who always believes in UFOs, thinks it's some big old spaceship and she leaves because she knows her mom is a wackadoodle. In any other context, I would read it, oh, maybe the aliens made the girl leave because she wasn't supposed to be contacted. In this context from the rest of her story, makes me think the daughter just didn't want to deal with it anymore. The fact that the husband and the daughter completely disappear from the narrative I find very telling as well. I think what's most tragic about this story is, again, if it's true, you have a young boy who's tormented either by aliens or mental illness or both. And his mom is feeding into that. It's the same thing like, you remember when you were kids, you thought there was a boogeyman in your closet, there was a monster under your bed? What if your parents came in and said, yeah, the boogeyman may be in your closet, he's actually real. And not in any way to punish you, to get you to go to bed, telling you the boogeyman might get you. Like, legit telling you, when you're three years old and saying, I think the boogeyman's in my closet, your dad sits you down and goes, let me tell you about my experiences with the boogeyman. And starts telling this bizarre mythology about how once you picked up the boogeyman's hybrid baby. Children come to parents for support and comfort. And she's feeding into this thing. Now, I believe in aliens, right? I believe that there's possibility of aliens and the, all of these encounters may or may not be true. You kind of have to take them as is. But if I, and I've actually talked about this before too, if I met somebody who said there were aliens hiding out in their house, I would be concerned. I would be concerned. If someone told me their apartment was haunted, I would be like, oh, that's kind of spooky. Can I spend the night? Someone told me they had aliens uh, hunting them and stuff like that. I'd be, I, and I know people who have had alien abduction encounters. So again, you take it case by case basis. But someone just said, I think aliens are in my closet and things like that. And they're giving me visions. They're telling me that I'm going to save humanity. I guess that's the difference. I've had friends who have had encounters with aliens and I don't poo-poo that. I, I take them because I know them as people, as humans. I take them at their word. But once they start talking about stuff that kind of falls into the realm of delusions of grandeur or paranoia they're all out to get me that's when you start to get i think that's the difference here someone told me that their their apartment was haunted i would be like can i spend the night again i'm going i'm coming over i'm spending the night bro you can't stop me but if they started telling me that they see the ghosts and they're like following them around and the ghosts are whispering in their ear you have a great plan to do you have to go do this thing. You're going to be the one to save. Then I would be concerned. They're hearing voices. They can't stop it. They're getting these delusions. That would make me more concerned than, than just the aliens hanging out of their apartment. <laughs> Again, I would, I would want to spend the night there too. But 
I just I just don't have a place to stay right now, guys. Please take me in. But you know what I mean? Like when you turn to your parents and this guy was in distress, whether or not the story was, whether or not he actually was seeing aliens or having some sort of mental breakdown, he was in distress. And the issue was, was that his mother believed in that as well. So I think for so long, for 20 years, she fed into that. If you're not the chosen one, what's the best, next best thing that you're the mother of the chosen one? So I think she fed into his delusion. First off, fed into his fears. He, there's, there's little white men in my closet. Those are gray aliens, honey. What? Those are, those are our galactic brothers. And sometimes they'll take you. And I found a hybrid. And uh... So when he starts having these visions of car accidents and deaths, he's a young boy. Those are just gifts the aliens give you, honey. You're special. And this goes on and on and on. I think that reading of the story works because I think her narcissism shows at the end. And he committed suicide. As an afterthought, that statement is made as such an afterthought. Her son, who struggled with psychic trauma for so long, gets four words in a sentence. And then she ends it saying, this is just some of the stuff we've encountered. Being abducted by aliens must be terrifying. It seems to happen wherever they want. A lot of times it happens in your house where you should feel safe, in your bed where you should feel safe. And it happening to a child is even more terrifying. But to have someone else in the house feeding into that fear, feeding into that uncertainty, clasping their hands with joy that they have a fellow UFO believer in the house, unlike the sister and the father, feeding into that energy. It must have been overwhelming for that child. She says, I think the aliens harassed my son to the point of death. But I think the aliens had help. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.